everyone, and welcome to the Bloke and the Bird Show. And the first real signs that Formula One is back for 2020 has happened this week. Cars are on the track in Barcelona. Yes. And round and round and <laughs> round and round and round. <laughs> okay. Speaking of round and round and round and round. I wasn't going to talk about NASCAR. Well, yeah, that's exactly Ooh. where I was going. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know. No, the only comment I want to make, because literally the news has, like, beaten to death the non-death of <laughs> Ryan Nelson. Um, Ryan Nelson? Isn't it Ryan Nelson? No. No. Who is it? That's your son's friend from Cub, Cub Scouts who played cymbals. <laughs> <laughs> Not last name is nelson isn't it ryan newman okay i got his first name right and the first letter of his last name i mean come on he doesn't play symbols <laughs> at strongsville high school okay the kid also played the bass in the jazz band yeah anyway different person <laughs> good because that kid does not drive Anyway, it was it, the media has beaten to death uh, the crash and his. Well, it was great dramatic video to show. It was off great of, video and you know, car on fire, hit by uh, upside down and hit by another car. I mean, multiple times. If it bleeds, it leads. There you go. <laughs> yeah, and they beat to death his exit from the hospital only a couple of days later. Mm-hmm. The only point I want to make, the only comment I want to make is we talk about how racing is very dangerous, but we have to look at the fact that the strides in safety have been so enormous that that kind of a dramatic crash walked away from. Well, we don't know if he fully walked away from, but to spend all of two days in a hospital and then walk out of he walked out of the hospital under his own power. Well, actually, if you think about the way hospitals work, he probably did not walk out of the hospital. Okay, they he... got him out the front door on a wheelchair, and he said, enough of this crap. And then he got up and walked, and they there took is the Instagram fo- picture. Because you know the hospital is not going to let him walk out. They just don't do that. They get really upset. Okay, but there was a picture of him walking in his hospital gown with his daughters. He was walking in the hospital. I don't remember a picture of him walking in the hospital, but there was certainly the, the picture of him with his daughters in the parking lot. Right. But there is a picture of him in his hospital gown standing up with his daughters on either side of him. That is the face forward picture. The facing ah. away picture is the one you are talking about. Okay. I've watched every one of these stories, so don't even. <laughs> I'm impressed. You usually don't. <laughs> it's a human interest, but it's the safety thing. It is. And and we shouldn't go and, and hide that. The fact that um in all the series i mean nascar they didn't have a choice um they, their hands were forced on them but all the series continue to make big strides in safety i mean this year uh over an in indycar the aero screen will be in place mm-hmm. so i think it's a very important nod that while this the sport is getting safer and I don't want anybody to believe that it is a completely safe sport. Mm-hmm. Yes, the cars are designed to minimize the impact on the driver, especially in death, but this is not safe. It's still on the edge, and you're just one step away from that car going out of control. But that's why we watch it, too. That's why we watch it. But... The crash was incredible, and it cannot be dismissed that a very similar crash, almost identical, killed a driver, what, 10 years ago? Uh, no, it was more than that. Was it more than that? Yeah, I think it was actually, they were talking, it was closer to 20 years ago, since Dale Earnhardt's crash. But that's the, it was the same crash, and, that's the, mm-hmm. and in NASCAR, those cars are essentially, they're stock. So they had to make fundamental changes to the cars to increase safety. I think this is important. It is. It, so, it's very notable. 
So in the nod to that, for the podcast, I am wearing my five-point safety harness during the recording so that nothing can happen to me. Well, thank you for not wearing the high-vis vest because that was distracting. (laughs) The high-vis vest might have been a little overkill in our studio, but I am wearing my crash helmet. Yeah. Anyway, so speaking of health and safety and wellness... As we mentioned a few weeks ago, the Chinese Grand Prix has been officially postponed due to concerns over the coronavirus. Well, it's really hard to get that hazmat suit inside the crash helmet. It, it does affect the aerodynamics of the car. <laughs> it does. And, and it wasn't even so much the concern about the drivers. It was the engineers and being able to do a, a safe pit stop. Well, in the hazmat suits? Mm-hmm. Yes. So anyway... Um, Obviously, Formula One is looking for options because they insist that it has not been canceled. It has just been postponed. But in response to this, very as a matter of fact, within two days after the announcement coming out, um, Imola stepped up. The president of Imola, Umberto Salvatico Estance, 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 uh, stepped up and said, "We'll do it." <laughs> Imola to host that the weekend. Chinese the, Grand Prix. The regularly scheduled weekend for the Chinese Grand Prix. We'll do it. We're, we're still grade one certified. Um, yeah, we'd probably have to, to tweak some stuff. It, it, it would be difficult, but 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 we could do it. Let, bring it here. He reached out to um, the Automobile Club of Italy to uh, Angio Sticci Damiani. We've spoken about him before. Previous negotiations for the future of the Italian Grand Prix, because Imola has been desperate to get a Grand Prix back. Oh, yes. Um, Which, you know, in a way it really kind of surprises me, given how determined that they are to get a race, that they haven't been able to get one. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't hear this from anybody else, that they are this bound and determined to attract Formula One back to them. And they are already a grade one certified track. True, true. I, I I don't know because we're not in the back rooms, yeah. and I haven't gotten my lunch with Ross Braun yet, um, to find out what the gossip really is as to why they can't seem to close the deal. Like, what's the hang up there? Well, I mean, from what it sounds like, it doesn't even sound like they're under. They're getting into a consideration point. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not even like, here's our truckload of money, let's do this. It's that they won't even consider talking to them about this. Well, the machine algorithm is not picking up the keywords on their application. Oh, is that what it is? <laughs> <laughs> it's rejecting the application just on the keywords. Um, now, despite the, the enthusiasm here, um, the Umberto acknowledges that logistic, logistical and commercial issues could prove to be insurmountable. But he says, you know, why not? It's possible if Liberty wants to do it. Yeah. And you've got a circuit that's ready and willing. He says, I'm a dreamer. I always hoped that this opportunity would come, but it's very difficult. It's true. Now, see, I think it would be super cool if they stepped up and said, you know, it's the Chinese Grand Prix hosted at Emila, and (laughs) they would accept the Chinese tickets. I mean, it would be, like, to me, that that would be your hook. That's the way you get it. Instead of doing the San Marino yeah. Grand Prix, you do it as we're moving the location, but it's still going to be the Chinese Grand Prix. We'll, we'll honor like the promo agreements. I don't know if they could even do that. I mean, it would be insane. But well, how know, cool would that be? And and this isn't the first time that Imola has stepped in for something like and And the last time they were successful. So back in 2011, in March of 2011, the track stepped in to, at, at a late stage to host a round of the GP2 Asia Series, replacing events that were lost when two weekends of racing in Bahrain were canceled due to civil unrest. The concern here is that, you know, given the time frame that you're looking at, and there's not a big window to sell tickets, they would need some serious financial consideration. I mean, they, they can't cough up with, with this kind of notice. They can't cough up an entry fee mm-hmm. um, or the event hosting fee. They're certainly not going to be able to, Well, it's unlikely they could sell enough tickets 
to cover any of these fees. So F1 would have to waive something or do something to even make that work, even without the logistics fees. Well, and that's the thing is while they may be willing to waive the fees to have it hosted somewhere else, the costing, you know, now you've got teams going, well, wait a minute, that's going to be logistically a nightmare because currently they go Melbourne to China to Bahrain and now it would be Melbourne to, to Europe, Italy to Bahrain. Yeah. And actually, let me double check because they have shifted it around before. So we've got Melbourne is, and why is it not showing up on our calendar? There it is. Practice. Oh, it's because it's overnight. So everything is, is goofy. So the 13th, March 13th is Melbourne. Mm -hmm. Then March 20th is Bahrain. Ah, so and it was Melbourne, Bahrain this year. Vietnam is uh, the April 3rd. 3rd. And then China was scheduled for April 17th. So it would be Vietnam. Then it would be... And actually, that would work logistically. Because of the way the schedule is, instead of going to China, they would do Vietnam, then go to Imola, and then, and then the next race is actually Zanvoort. So, yeah, that's not quite the logistical nightmare that I thought it was going to mm -hmm. be. Well, that's the other thing is, you know, normally we go from the Asia leg of the series to Barcelona. Mm -hmm. And Barcelona is not the kickoff. And, and that that's on you. you know, that's unusual. Okay, but we get a lot of unusual things happening this year yeah. in the in the calendar. I mean, the addition of Zandvoort, the cancellation of the Chinese Grand Prix, the addition of Vietnam. I mean, mm -hmm. we've got a lot of moving parts. And then they're like, they moved some other races around to logistically make better sense. And I, I even think Mexico and the U.S. is flip-flop this year, isn't it? Uh, it was last, no. Actually, it might be this year. I, have to I think it's this year that the they flip flop. Yeah. They did weird things to the calendar, and it's not the calendar I used to. So I don't have it in front of me. So if I quote it wrong, it's that. But it could be possible. I mean, I'd be pro Imola. I still think it would be really cool if Imola did something. At least I think that that might make it past the keywords would be to do something that nods to the Chinese Grand Prix. Like, we're going to do this on your behalf. We're going to help you. Well, there's two things there. You know, one is obviously, yes, Imola can do something to do a nod back to the Chinese Grand Prix. But the other thing is if F1, and, and it, it's not even necessarily this year, but if F1 returns to Imola, it gives AlphaTauri a home race. Correct. Because AlphaTauri is based within about 30 miles of Imola. See? I still am not used to them being Alpha Tora yet. Yeah, the, well, I, I'm, I'm glad I got it right because initially I was thinking, I was like, oh, it's Tora. Oh, wait, no, wait. So I caught it in time. Good job. Yeah. Good. Are we going to need to do that as the drinking game like we do for the Australian and Austrian Grand Prix where you constantly get those confused? I don't constantly. Constantly. Anyway. So back to China and Asia and the coronavirus. We mentioned last week that McLaren is keeping an eye on the situation in Vietnam and will not send um, their team there if they think that there's a risk. Vietnamese officials this past Tuesday are saying that no consideration is being given to reevaluating the race's position on the calendar. Um, the director of Hanoi's tourism department, Tran Trung Hu, uh, is quoted by Agence France Presse, as saying that the time for the F1 race will not be postponed or delayed. Although this is a sports event, it has a very huge impact on Vietnam and Hanoi's tourism. So as of right now, but again, if things continue to ramp up in Vietnam, even if the promoters say we're not canceling the race, that doesn't mean that the teams won't go. Or that they will go. Or that the, that the teams will go. Now, the other potential thing that why teams might want to 
not let this race drop off the calendar mm-hmm. or at least make sure that the number of races stays the same. Is There's financial considerations here. Yeah. The teams don't get as much money if the race doesn't happen. Exactly. Um, so one of the other things, because again, only postponed as of right now and not canceled, is, well, moving it later in the year, we, we talked about possibly moving Abu Dhabi. Now they're saying, well, what if we didn't move Abu Dhabi? What if we left that in place and the um, weekend of November 22nd, so that's between Brazil and Abu Dhabi, that that was currently a dead week. What if they just did a two-day weekend in Shanghai? So a lot of racing to do in two days. Well, not really. Well, you got three so, practices. So, of- but that's not what they would do. So what the, the revised schedule would be is that obviously your Friday practices are gone. Everybody shows up and unpacks. You have a Friday morning or, or a Saturday morning practice, Saturday afternoon qualifying, Sunday race, everybody leave. So you get... you get one practice right Mm. does that give you i mean is there enough economy in doing something in that short well that that, that's one of the questions especially when you're talking is that now sets you up for a triple header and a big triple header because you've got everybody going from brazil to china Mm -hmm. in one week and then going from china to abu dhabi that's that's some big moves in a real short period of time so and the teams have to go and approve something like this unanimous and and again that's assuming that the health and medical situation in china has stabilized and they consider it safe to go and hold events in the country again as of right now there's no guarantee that even that would happen and that's also true but we also have to keep a watch worldwide because yes while China is the epicenter, and you've mentioned the fact that it, there's some Vietnam pieces. There are starting to become some hot spots elsewhere. Italy, as a matter of fact, and today Italy, Italy was, is a big deal, and Italy is talking about locking down borders all of a sudden. So, yeah, this, this could be a difficult year for international sporting events in general. Keep in mind, we also have the Olympics this year. Yes, we do. In Asia. Yes, we do. So th- this could be a very difficult year for international sporting events. Could be. Now, so next up, we're going to talk about Racing Point's newest car, which looks remarkably familiar. It does, but not necessarily for the reason you might be thinking. Well, it so didn't recycle last year's Racing Point car. Well, but what we've seen with everybody this year is that in terms of the general livery on the cars they're they're really the same there there's no difference between them well, really the only fast white yeah really the only one is haas because they don't have black and gold because rich is gone thankfully hmm. by the way i hear that this friday actually i think it's episode two so it may be yeah well well actually netflix is dropping all of are they doing it bingeable? To, i think so i don't think that they're doing it uh, the same as um, like Bake Off and some of these others that it com- that it's staggered. If it comes out bingeable, from what I hear, episode two of Drive to Su- Survive is Haas. Ooh. And from what I'm hearing, Gunther even better this year. How could Gunther be any better? He has, for starters, apparently he has coined a new curse word. A whole new word? A whole new word, which we will not share here because we need to keep our clean rating, but you'll need to go and listen or go and watch the episode. Um, It is in response to after the British Grand Prix and the argument, uh, well, they brought both Roman Grosjean and Kevin Magnussen because as you recall, British Grand Prix, they hit each other in lap one, took each other out. Mm -hmm. Um, 
they brought both of them into a room. The cameras weren't allowed in, but the microphones weren't taken off. And they were left on. No. And it was heated. And in the aftermath of that, Gunther coined a new curse word. Okay, I am making popcorn <laughs> for that one. So there's that. But also, apparently, there is more on... Well, the behind the scenes of the Haas deal imploding is what I hear. Interesting. All right, so back to the car mm-hmm. that is Racing Point's recycled car. I mean, they're they're being environmentally friendly. Um, kind of. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't go that far. Um, as much as I don't mind the fact that it's a pink car, I mean, it's distinctive. It stands out. I love I'm, that it's a pink. I'm car. not a fan of the Pepto Bismol pink. I love that it's. I a would pink rather car. a different shade of pink because Pepto Bismol pink is just. But okay, um, everyone noticed, however, that this year's car, this year's Racing Point car, looks a whole lot like last year's Mercedes. Did they go in the bin and pull out car parts from Mercedes? Well, it looks like they got the front wing. And the side pod design, and possibly a couple other things. So everyone has um, mentioned that, gee, this looks a whole lot like last year's car. And Racing Point has actually acknowledged that. Yep, it's exactly what we did. Um, what rate the, the the design philosophy of the Racing Points in the past had been a high rate car. Mm-hmm. So what that was was and and Red Bull used to do and I think they're still doing the same thing of the there is a sharp angle between the front and the back of the car with the back of the car being higher than the front right um very sharp so they have for the first time in several years they have ditched that concept and instead decided to go the route of last year's Mercedes because hey it worked hey yeah now what they are insistent on is that while they have, yes, taken more of the listed approved parts that they can share from other teams, the chassis is still theirs. Mm-hmm. Um, they have uh, specific parts that, that are attached to the chassis and would have to be redesigned. They have not done that. They insist that they do the work around the chassis and stuff, but there are other aerodynamic bits that if they can leverage them, they're going to leverage them. And if you think about this. That's the Haas model. Well, yes, it's the Haas model. And um, Haas has been, Gunther has been very quick to stand up and go, you know, hey, two years ago when we did this, Racing Point and Force India and, and Otmar, they were really quick to stand up and criticize us and complain about what we were doing and how bad. And now they go and they do this themselves. Really? But not just that. Mm-hmm. If you step back to before Lawrence bought the team, mm-hmm. when he when um, Lance was still over at Williams and there was uncertainty as to what was going on, other than the fact that the Williams car was bad again, one of the things that we got word that that Lawrence was pushing Williams to do was to become the Mercedes B team. Yes, and to try and share as much as they could from Mercedes as possible. And Claire and Frank said, no. Exactly. This is not the DNA of Williams. This is not how we operate. This is not what we do. We are an independent team, and we do our own our own homework. So then for Lawrence to go off to, to buy a race team and then do this, shouldn't be a surprise. It's not a surprise. Shouldn't be a surprise at all. I think we even talked about that that was what he was going to wind up doing. Mm-hmm. Now he just needs to fire his son driver um, well, yeah. so that they could have a good one. <laughs> now, we should also point out that technically the team's name for this year is now the BWT Racing Point team. Right. Because nobody could say sort Sport Pesa Racing Point. Actually, no. That's not the reason? Because that would be my reason. That would be your reason. But no. Um, The Sport Pesa title sponsorship was supposed to be a multi-year agreement. Mm -hmm. 
that Sport Pesa has withdrawn from. Oh, because they don't like Lance Stroll? Um, no, they're actually ending several of their sports branding deals, including a shirt, a shirt sponsorship agreement with the Premier League football team Everton. Mm-hmm. Um, according to Otmar Sofnauer, Otmar says that Sport Pesa has some difficulties in their home market, which has led to the Racing Point title agreement and several other sports marketing agreements ending. Oh. Now, I'm not fully clear because I went to their website. I'm not fully clear what their home market actually is. Okay. Because I get prompted with um, several options to log in when you go to the page. One for Great Britain. Mm-hmm. One for Nigeria. <laughs> one for Italy. And one for South Africa. And one for other nations. That's ominous. Well, they are a... So that's the other thing is outside of these countries, no one knows who Sport Pesa is. Correct. We don't interact with them. They're sports betting. Oh. So other nations is... Are you really supposed to be doing business with them? Is, is, is sports betting actually legal in your country? Well, also... Could they be running afoul of any laws that sport betting could not sponsor a team? Think about the conflict of interest there. Well, that was one of the questions when the deal was first announced. And even F1 had stood up and said, yeah, it, it sounds a little sketchy, but but we think this is legitimate and we think this is good. And the reality is we didn't hear from anybody. So, you know, to, to your point, when Ferrari put the, the Mission Winnow branding on the car, Mission Winnow is a brand of Philip Morris that is supposed to be their, quote, safe smoking solutions, i.e. vaping. Mm-hmm. When they went to Australia, because there was concern about falling afoul of the rules for tobacco companies advertising, Mission Winnow was taken off the first year. Same thing in Japan and one or two other countries. When Martini had Williams as the sponsor. Williams had Martini as the sponsor. Well, when Martini was sponsoring Williams. Either way. Yes. (laughs) We'd go to the Middle East where they were not allowed to advertise alcohol. And the Martini brand came off and instead it was replaced with racing. Yes. Or do you remember... um, And there's alternative team wear. There's alternative team wear too. But do you remember... When uh, Lewis still raced for McLaren, Mm -hmm. he was heavily sponsored by Vodafone. Yes. And in the U.S., there is no Vodafone. And yes, and this is not the same as like it's run afoul of the the rules, but there's no Vodafone. So his his, uh, race suit got changed to Verizon. Well, it was the car also, but the the difference there... It's not a foul of... uh, Well, 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 no, it's not just that. Vodafone owns a share of Verizon. Right. And you see the same thing happen with the Red Bulls um, when they come to North America because ExxonMobil is their sponsor. Outside of the U.S., it's Esso branding Mm. because that's the the brand for them outside of the U.S. But when they're in the U.S., it's ExxonMobil. Canada's the same way. Yeah. And you see... um, but we didn't see any branding changes around Sport Pesa no. through the whole season. And that, that, that's really the point of, of that little off-the-rails conversation <laughs> was that everywhere that we went, they were still the Sport Pesa team, unlike with some of these other brands that popped up on the cars. Yeah. Anyway, so now they're a BWT racing point. And, and BWT was always involved with them. Just now BWT's up the sponsorship to um, a title sponsorship. Right. And they, I mean, they had a huge sponsorship from the moment they turned pink. Mm-hmm. They're the reason they turned pink. And you got to apply. And, and w- when the deal was first announced, when VJ Malia first announced the deal, we applauded it mm-hmm. because of the fact that it was a big new sponsor. But the other thing to keep in mind about BWT is... And, and we didn't realize it at the time how big of a get it really was for VJ and the team because 
BWT has big motorsport sponsorships in just about every international series. Hmm. There are pink BWT cars in sports cars, in Le Mans, in WEC, and every... But there hadn't been in Formula One. Wow. And it was the Force India team that pulled them in and has managed to keep them despite all the disasters that have happened over there. Hey. that That's, I think, pretty big. Yeah. All right. So, so testing. Cars went on this way. And one of the things that got to point out early on before we dive into this whole thing is that this year was the first year ever that testing was broadcast. Oh, wow. So media would go and, and cover it, and you'd get the press articles, and there'd be video that would come out afterwards, but they were never broadcast live. This was the first year. So if you've got, if you're in a country that has access to F1 TV Pro, you can watch testing this week. If you've got access to the Sky Sports F1 channel, and I think it's only available in the UK, but I'm not positive on it. But if you've got access to that, you can watch testing live as it happens. As a result of the first ever broadcast of F1 testing live, we got in-car video. <laughs> and, you know, under normal thought, it's like, okay, in-car video, yeah, it's kind of cool, whatever, but it, it's in-car and it's testing, so who cares? But folks happen to have noticed on day okay. two. Okay, let's just stop for a second and okay. think about the fact that, quote, folks happened to notice. In order to notice this, you had to analyze the video. But, but be, keep in mind, they weren't just broadcasting. It wasn't just like, here's the world feed, we're done. Sky Sports had the full analyst team mm-hmm. there watching everything and... Will Buxton was actually, he was in the booth with with Ted Kravitz and company. But because that, I mean, they were analysts. That's their job. It wasn't like Twitter, somebody was bored on Twitter and went, hey, look at this. (laughs) No, the the folks who know this stuff were there and they were doing their job. It wasn't just some freak on Twitter. (laughs) Okay, when you say... Which initially when I saw it, I was like, oh, freak on Twitter went and was... Man, people got to get a life. And then found out that, no, actually, F1's been broadcasting it, and Sky spotted it and said, hey, what is going on here? Exactly. So what we are talking about, what was seen in the Mercedes on day two, was it was noticed while Lewis was driving, first of all, that when he would approach a turn, he'd pull the wheel, the steering wheel, towards him. And when they'd get to a straight, he'd push it away from him. That caused people to, A, start wondering what the heck is going on, and then started looking at the footage a little bit more and watching it slowly. And noticed that when Lewis was pulling the wheel, well, when when Lewis was either pulling or pushing the wheel, the front wheels of the car were changing angle. Mm. And not long after that, everybody went running to Mercedes and went, what is going on and by the way the mercedes were at the top of the time charts oh were they yeah (laughs) at which point mercedes said oh yeah this is a new steering mode we call it dual access steering okay so what it is what what we have figured out what what everyone has looked this is and come away with is that this is a system that um allows the drivers to manually adjust the toe angle toe of the car so if you're familiar with the alignment of the wheels on your car there's two adjustments that they make one is camber and that is um, if you think of your tire sitting perpendicular to the road so at a 90 degree angle to the road if you adjust the camber you're going to tilt that in one direction or another left or right mm-hmm that's camber the other thing that they adjust is toe toe is again you think of your 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 two wheels sitting parallel to each other and parallel to the body of the car if you adjust the toe you're changing whether or not they lean a little towards the front of the car or to the back of the car 
You're not adjusting whether or not they're still perpendicular to the road, but it's whether they're now not parallel to each other or to the car. You're adjusting the angle of where they face to the car. So think in terms of people walking. If you are pigeon-toed, your toes Mm -hmm. are pointing towards each other. That's the way the tires, less extreme, but that's the way the tires would sit if you had a specific kind of toe or you could point them away from each other. So the idea behind this and by allowing the driver to adjust the toe on the toe angle on the front wheels is that it allows the car to turn in better at low speeds. Mm-hmm. So you go and you, you um, pull the wheel towards you. It tweaks the toe angle of the car. It turns in better. You come out of the turn and you push away and that, that change in toe goes away and the, the wheels are parallel again. You want to do that because on a straight, you don't want the toe angle in to assist the turns because... You're going straight. Well, yeah, you're going straight. It it wears down the tires and it slows you down. There's more resistance coming from the tires from them scraping and scrubbing on the pavement. So by going and realigning the toe angle, you're taking that scrubbing away and you're preserving your tires and you're getting an oomph of speed. Mm-hmm. so the first thought was how can this be legal well naturally that's the first thought did ferrari write a letter um actually no according to mercedes mercedes actually went to the fia with this design with this proposal several months ago oh and got approval from the fia to actually run this the reason why it was ruled as legal technically regulation legal according to the technical regulations yes legal to the technical regulations is this is considered and that's why mercedes is is describing it the way they are that this is a steering mode setting Mm -hmm. this is not a change in the suspension of the car This is not a change of suspension settings. That's number one. Mm -hmm. Number two is that steering modes are allowed to be changed and allowed to be modified as long as they are done by the driver under the driver's own power. So it cannot be hydraulically assisted. It cannot be mechanical. It has to be the driver fully in control of the change. And with the pulling and pushing of the wheel... The driver is in control of that change in the setting. Okay, wait a minute. Okay. I question that one. Okay. I get, I I, I actually could understand the pulling and pushing of the wheel. Mm -hmm. The driver is in control Mm -hmm. of the change in the toe. I, I get that. But there are a thousand and one buttons on those steering wheels, one of which changes the mode of the engine. The engine mode. Right. And that, there is no chance that is mechanical. <laughs> but again, because of the, the rules around steering, and again, it's a steering It's a steering change. thing, not... Because you're not allowed to have power steering. Got it. And there is, I guess, some allowance for some level of power steering from the perspective of... As long as the driver is in control and there's a certain level of feel and the resistance and whatever, and it's not it's not a power assist, but it's it's the driver is controlling the application of it mm-hmm. is allowed. But it's not that the power that the, the power steering mechanism is not absorbing the force of the steering. Okay, it's, it, it's how it, it, it's allowed. But in this case, that doesn't even apply because. It is believed that this is fully controlled by the driver. Okay. So Mercedes reached out. They got it approved under Mm -hmm. the technical regulations. Yes. Now, we have to be crystal clear here because Formula One is nothing if not Mm rule-based. There are two sets of regulations that govern whether or not a car is legal. Mm -hmm. There is the technical regulations they got a big giant check mark for that mm-hmm. but there is these sporting regulations there is and that's and, and and where you're going is the park for may rules 
Yes, because that is what Renault is complaining about right now. Is that this might, mm-hmm. this is on might, violate Park Fermat. So as a review for everybody, the whole requirements with Park Fermat is, and, and, and where the issue comes in is that a car is considered under Park Fermat restrictions from the moment it crosses the pit lane line out of the garage at the start of the first qualifying session. Mm-hmm. At that, once you enter into Park Fermat rules, you are not allowed to change the suspension settings on the car, and you are not allowed to change components in the engine. Um, the, the, you are not allowed to work on the sealed components of the engine unless it is due to damage, and it has to be a like-for-like replacement. And typically, it is described as you are not allowed to change the car. Correct. And that includes things like tire pressures. No. Tire pressures can be changed? No, I thought they can maintain them. Tire pressures can be changed. Because keep in mind, the tires... So the tires that you run in Q1 aren't the tires you run in Q2. Right. The tire pressures can be maintained, but I didn't think that they could change tire pressures. They can change them. They just can't... They can't differ from the range that Pirelli specifies. Okay. So you can change your tires depending on, on the conditions. And that was one of the issues a couple of years ago was um, teams, depending on the conditions, were underinflating the tires and it was causing overheating and other issues. So you can make changes to your tire pressure settings. That, But what you can't do is you can't turn around and go, you know what, we're expecting that all of a sudden that the, wet, the wind is going to be stronger on Sunday than it is on Saturday. So we're going to lower the rake of the car and we're going to have it run lower on Saturday than we will on Sunday to go and compensate for that. You can't do that. So that's the, those are the kind of things. So Renault's argument is that by going and making these changes to the angle of the car and because of the way the steering system works and the suspension works on the car, that when Mercedes goes and makes a move with the wheel, that they are changing the suspension of the car. And as a result, they would be in violation of Park Fermat rules on a race weekend. And that's why, again, it's very key that Mercedes is insistent that this is not a a suspension mode. This is a steering mode. I understand that. It's just whether or not it will pass. Yeah. The smell test. Yeah. Now, all of that aside, and my repeated insistence on innovation gets a positive two thumbs up from this girl for Mercedes trying something different. You know, it's not just that, though. Because, you know, if you remember, a couple of weeks ago, we we mocked the guy over on Autosport who wrote the column about how, you know, 2020 is just going to be boring because everyone's going to be focused on 2021 and a big rule change and they're not going to dive into a whole lot and these aren't, cars aren't going to get developed and it's just going to be a boring thing. And then we walk into testing here and we have Mercedes with this trick new steering idea. Mm-hmm. We have um, Racing Point who turned around and dumped their entire concept <laughs> Now, granted, they took somebody else's concept, but they dumped their entire concept, and we'll see where that ends up. We've got the Renaults who are sounding like they've kind of figured something out with their car. The Williams have rethought what's going on. They're saying that the car is a thousand times better than it used to be. That's what George Russell said, right? And that, that's what George Russell said. And you got Max Verstappen who's going, this car is fast in every corner. And it, it sounds like well, gee, maybe actually folks put some time and effort into this year. Well, and I I predicted that they would because they didn't have the the cost caps that they could trial run some stuff that they would be looking to put into next. This is this is like an extended year of testing in my you, mind. You you can do that for some stuff. I mean, there is some significant. There's some stuff that is not a one for one but, and. One of the other things to point out is this new trick steering system, this steering mode, yeah, 
will only be legal for the 2021 season because as part of the 2021 rules, knowing that this was coming, it's already been written into the rules that it is not allowed. So what they did, and let me jump over to it. Uh, what they did is... Article 10.5 of the incoming technical regulation states that the realignment of the steered wheels as defined by the position of the inboard attachment of the relevant suspension members that remain a fixed distance from each other must be uniquely defined by a monotonic function of the rotational position of a single steering wheel, which means you can either adjust your, your the, the direction that the front wheels go by turning the wheel to the left or turning it to the right and no other direction. If you're still awake after the reading of the technical regulation. <laughs> well, that, that's, why I trans, that's why I translated it to you. You can adjust the angles of the front wheels by turning the steering wheel to the left or turning it to the right and no other direction. That's what they basically said. Yeah. Thank but you for translating. Specifically for the engineer speak. Phil. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we have trick new part, go Mercedes. And it's that's not all that Mercedes has apparently done on this car. So we knew that there were changes that were made to the engine this, this year, um, that they had worked with the overall specification so that it would run hotter mm -hmm. without causing problems. Um, but apparently they've completely abandoned last year's design and design philosophy. So there's a video that Mercedes put out. It's up on Twitter, and it's James Allison explaining some of what they did and why. Okay. Um, and he freely admits that, you know, we, we thought about going with, you know, building on last year's car. We think that there was a lot more promise and a lot more areas that they could work with. But we decided that, you know what, let's we've got some other things that we wanted to try and we wanted to look into. And as a result, they decided to go and abandon some stuff. So the front end of the car is actually very different compared to last year. Um, both the, the way the suspension works, but also the, the front wing. Um, but he also mentioned that because of the changes in cooling, this is actually a narrower car than last year. Interesting. Because they could tighten up the bodywork. Hmm. Um, They've made some other changes in, in how uh, the side pods work and air moves around that. But again, big changes in what they had last year. The Red Bull has made some significant changes to the, um, the front suspension of their car. Um, it's only noticeable, again, if you are really deep into that stuff and they take the nose off. Mm -hmm. But they've made changes to their suspension. Interesting. As a result, what we have seen so far. With the giant caveat that testing is a big fat liar. I was gonna well, I wasn't <laughs> gonna quite go that far. I was gonna what I would not do at this point, and, and I'm waiting for and probably it'll happen next week, um, is I am not writing off the season to Mercedes. No. Somebody's gonna do it next week. Oh yeah. Now what everybody is saying based on what we have seen so far is that as of right now, the Mercedes is the car to beat. Mm -hmm. um, they have been setting the pace far and ahead of everybody else. Um, they've clearly got something that is working for them. Um, every single team, and this is this, I don't think we've had this in a while. Every single team has managed a hundred laps every day. Oh wow! Yeah, that's awesome. So reliability has been good for the start of testing. Mm -hmm. Not all the way through. So the Hassan had two failures. Um, one was, I believe, a, a water pump failure on Roman Grosjean's car. And a wheel spacer broke, uh, causing Kevin Magnuson to, to end up in a wreck. Okay. Um, electrical issues on the Mercedes cut short Valtteri's day and they actually replaced an engine. Okay. 
And one of the Williams had an engine issue too, running a Mercedes. But the Hondas and the Renaults have not had engines. Yeah. Engine issues. And from what we're hearing, um, the Red Bull in particular, um, they look to be the ones who are nipping at Mercedes heels. There's still a bit of a gap. But in terms of the one who's closest right now, that's looking to be the Red Bulls. Now, Mercedes, if not Hamilton, has come out and said that Ferrari has had some issues, but that he believed that they were not showing their true pace in this first round of testing. Well, that's... So, so there's some questions about what's going on at Ferrari. And there, I know there always is. Now, Ferrari ha- also had an engine failure. Mm-hmm. Um, and it actually impacted a good part of Friday for them that they could not run. Um, but Mattia Bonotto, coming out of testing, said that he is not as optimistic as last year because the others are faster than us at the moment. How much faster I think it's really difficult to judge, and we'll go through all the data in the next days, but I don't think we are as fast as them at the moment. Do we have any concerns? Certainly, yes, when you are not as fast as you would like to be, but I think it's really too early a stage to define them and understand. And so the three days for us have been very important because at least we have collected all the data and now have a clear picture and better understanding. They weren't even in the top five in any of these sessions. Mm. Yeah. So there is some concern here. Now, they have put more downforce on the car compared to last year, specifically to address the low-speed turn deficit that they had that hurt them so badly last year. Whether or not there's other issues as a result of those changes, we don't know. The other thing that is has folks questioning Ferrari's performance is that um, looking at the Haas and looking at the Alfa Romeo in particular, folks don't think that the Ferraris were necessarily running at the full power modes yet and that they may have had these engines turned down Mm. just on the Ferraris. We don't know for sure. And, And that's one of the things about testing is you don't know what modes are going on, and the d- teams could be running different tires, and that can have an impact on it too. Now, we haven't cert- heard anybody go, you know, Mercedes set these blistering times on the soft tires, so I think they were probably competitive with what they were doing, but we don't know. Yeah. And at this point, again, can't draw any real conclusions. I think probably Friday of this coming week is going to be a little more interesting but even still we've got two weeks until race one yeah and that's the thing is keep in mind there's so much that we don't know when we see these cars out on the track they are not even you don't know are they doing heavy Mm -hmm. fuel loads do you know know if they're doing race simulations you don't know what they are testing and so yes somebody can be looking like they're blisteringly fast but that might be testing quality modes. And yeah. It's testing quality modes in comparison to somebody else that's coming along and testing race pace. So you take everything with testing a huge, huge grain of salt. I think the, the only positive note we really saw that you could draw a conclusion is that reliability is probably going to be stronger this year. The fact that the first two days, two days of testing, they were hitting 100-plus laps. And, and as a matter of fact, Carlos Sainz at one point turned around and said that they would have run more with the McLaren. They ran out of tires for the day. Oh, wow. Now, my only concern in hearing that is, does that mean your tire wears higher than it should be? Yeah. But, again, e- even they've come away and they're like, this is the, the best test that we've had in years. Um, Daniel Ricardo has come away and said that, you know, now that he is established with the team, this test was light years better than last year, if not for any other reason that he feels he can now speak honestly about what he's seen with the car. He's not, folks know him well enough that he's not concerned about hurting the engineer's feelings. Well, so. that's, a, that's pretty important. Um, I'm a little sad that he's in a team right now that, what he would have to say would hurt the engineer's feelings. Yeah. 
But anyway. Uh, so I'm just going to touch on this quick, just to make you happy. Because you're going to do it quick to make me happy, or you're going to touch on it to make me happy? I need to know which of these two things is supposed gonna, to make me happy. You're going to do it quick to make you happy. Thank you. But but it's got your two favorite topics, Zanvort and tires. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. When did Zanvort become one of my hated topics? Engines we, and tires. I keep it simple. Yeah, but we've been talking about Zanvort like almost every week. I know. That, that's that's why I was so going to say Zanvort. Zanvort. See, Zanvort and tires. Banking. Um, Let's talk about banking. Well, because of the banking, <laughs> uh, Pirelli, even though they said they were not going to do this, uh, apparently have come up with a special tire compound in tire construction just for Zandvoort that they're going to test at Barcelona this week. Because that makes sense. But hey. Does Barcelona have a special banking section that they can... I, I don't <laughs> think so. Uh, you know, is somebody going to come along and pick up some asphalt and turn it just a little bit so that they can... Uh... Okay, Bob, what we want you to do <laughs> is stand here on the side of the track and just lift it up. <laughs> lift with your legs. No matter what happens, <laughs> don't put it down. Lift with your legs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Moving right along. So... um. It actually seems like the Miami Grand Prix could be lurching towards actually happening. This has been the worst on-again, off-again romance. I mean, this this is not will-they-won't-they they from Cheers. This is just not it. <laughs> well, it, it gets interesting here. Well, I don't know about interesting, but it shows that some of the folks who are involved in this don't know Formula One. Oh, lovely. So... County, there was a vote this past Wednesday that was a potential roadblock for the event, but the vote ended up in a 6-6 tie, which in most parts of government could be enough to say, well, you know, we didn't pass it, so we're done. Not in Miami. A 6-6 tie is good enough to keep going. <laughs> so there's that. It means, but because of this 6-6 tie for this, it means that... Um, the event does not need the approval of both the city of Miami Gardens as well as the county. Oh. So, yeah, because they tied, they don't need to get approval from those two. Um, Miami Gardens Commissioner Barbara Jordan, she has been the vocal opponent to this, has come up with everything possible that she could to try and throw at this. Um, lawsuits and whatever she has actually been in the press and has said that you know we are going to raise such a stink formula one is not going to want to tolerate this negative media coverage that's coming oh poor barbara and let's remember that we are talking about the series that raced in bahrain when they were rioting due to human rights violations mm-hmm. okay but that Let was the bernie years we have Chase Carey now. Formula One don't care. <laughs> Write the check. Formula One won't care. Exactly. The, the negative press, they don't care. Let's remember the original crappy design of this circuit in downtown Miami. Formula One don't care. <laughs> All righty. So Barbara's a wee bit out of touch with our dear series. So what I also didn't know, there was a protest at the stadium Super Bowl weekend against the race. Oh my. You see how much of an effort that made. We didn't know anything (laughs) about it, and we follow Formula One. (laughs) Ma'am, you don't got a clue. (laughs) Okay, but in our defense, we also don't really watch the Super Bowl either. Okay, none of the news outlets that we follow even mention that they were there. Okay, point. I'll give you a point there. Formula One don't care, and the media that covers Formula One apparently don't care either. (laughs) Okay, but we're media that covers Formula One, and we actually don't want this race in Miami. Yeah, but the only reason why we don't want this race in Miami is because be this lame. location is stupid. It's I mean, lame. I'm okay with them having a race in Miami. But really, a race in a parking lot? We haven't learned our lesson yet. 
clearly not. No. No. That, I mean, that that's my issue. I, I don't care that it's in Miami. I, another race, hey, that's cool. We're, we're always for that. But make it a good race. Right. Have another race. Just make it a good one. And on that note, we'll call it a show. We are so glad you came. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye-bye. Remember, please discard all candy wrappers and popcorn containers in the nearest trash receptacle. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> okay. Are they all gone? Uh, is, is, there, is everybody gone? <laughs> huh? Good. Oh my gosh, my cheeks are killing me. I can't keep smiling like this anymore. I am exhausted. I think I need a break. A little break? Okay. Whew.